0: The Sacramento Kings are betting on their core improving, but specifically how much better can De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis get? On today's show, we address that and more with NBC Sports' Tom Deerberger right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time for another episode of Locked on
0: Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all off-season long. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked on. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on today to get started. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News. And this gentleman I met for the first time last season. It's because last season was his first year covering Kings basketball from NBC Sports. uh, Tom Deerberger uh, does an excellent job. Uh, he, he he made appearances at Sacramento Kings games, wrote articles on the, on the Kings. He and his uh, his his partner and colleague, Tristy Rodriguez, who I'm going to have on the show uh, later on this week, uh, they do a great job covering Kings basketball. Last year was their first full year really getting into it. And as Tom is going to share with you, his first experience at Kings basketball was the dawn of the beam team and, and the return to the playoffs. So he got lucky in that sense. Maybe we should be thanking him for maybe bringing a little bit of that magic over. Um, although he is from Minnesota. And I don't know how much magic there is there with the Timberwolves organization, but clearly he, he, Some in some way, shape or form helped change uh, the the Kings luck a little bit, certainly just from his presence. That's what we're going to say. It had nothing to do with the Kings improving and Monty McNair making the the right moves. It was all about Tom coming over to to the Bay Area, coming over to California to cover the Sacramento Kings uh, and the Kings got good. So let's all collectively say thank you, Tom. Uh, But I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. Tom is awesome. Uh, it was fun getting to know him last year during the year and uh, this first time uh, having him on the podcast. Again, we discuss um, the general improvement of the Sacramento Kings, how Tom sees the Kings improving. We're going to spend a little bit of time, uh, like I mentioned in the intro, discussing how De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis specifically improve uh, and uh, a whole lot more. So please enjoy my conversation with NBC Sports' Tom Deerberger no matter what happens this season, the vibes from last year are going to be hard to top, but they're making the beam brighter. They're trying to make the team better, and the reality is that the Kings win more games and have a deeper playoff run. Last year will be remembered with fond memories, but this year will be the year that we talk about a a good basketball team hopefully becoming a great basketball team, and and someone who is Really only known good basketball in Sacramento. How lucky you are. Tom Deerberger from NBC Sports, uh, California slash Bay Area. Uh, that is the, uh, the the network that broadcasts Sacramento Kings games. He's a, a digital content creator uh, over there. And Tom, you were telling me before we started recording that because you work for NBC Sports, that's, they have a wide umbrella. They cover a lot of sports from the Warriors to the Kings uh, to the, uh, the, the, giants and the A's and even the San Jose sharks sneak their way, uh, in there. So you cover a broad, uh, kind of umbrella, but because of your background, you gravitated more towards the Sacramento Kings and Kings coverage. And it just happened to be right place, right time. Right. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Thanks for having me on Matt. Appreciate it. Um, so my, my boring story is that, uh, I grew up in Minnesota, I went to college there, worked at the Regional Sports Network out there for five years. My wife and I moved out to uh, California, Northern California, in October of 2021. Got a job at NBC Sports a couple of months after that. And, um, you know, like you said, we cover so many teams at NBC Sports. And there's two NBA teams that we help cover, the Warriors and the Kings, and me like deep down inside there is a timberwolves fan still still in there from from my childhood uh and i helped cover the timberwolves for for so long so you know it's like do i hop on the warrior side of things or the kings i'm like hey the kings they feel a little bit more like home you know i think the timberwolves and the kings share a lot of uh commonalities throughout the last two decades or so um and yeah i started covering the kings um last season and I mean what a time to hop on the Sacramento bandwagon so much
0: fun so what are your first impressions of the Kings organization how they do things here you weren't here obviously for the bad times but because you're a Timberwolves fan you know how bad it got (laughs) here in Sacramento and and the Timberwolves could relate in a lot of ways to having the longest playoff drought before the Sacramento Kings took it over but what was your first impression I guess of of this King's team, the organization, and then specifically the fan base that you've got to suddenly become a part of Um, golden one center blew me away.
1: Um, Like there is no better atmosphere in basketball that I've experienced um, at at the professional level. Um, Like the fan base is just, just brings it every single night. The beam, of course. I mean, what, (laughs) I mean, what, what, a. Special thing that is, you know, like to walk out of the arena after a win and, and there it is uh, shining in the night sky. Like what just what a fun thing to rally around. And um so, I mean, I, I could not be more impressed with with Kings fans and how passionate and and just what what a knowledgeable fan base they are too. like, you know, Kings fans, no ball. They just do. It's, it's just that simple. So that that was a, an early impression that I that I struck that uh, definitely held up to be true.
0: What do you think from a a non-Kings fan or even casual basketball fan standpoint, what do you think is most appealing about the Sacramento Kings? I can imagine, like I saw a lot of people saying the Sacramento Kings last year were their league pass team, that out of market they pay attention to a little bit. I imagine, hopefully... This year, we'll see a lot more national television games for the Kings than, than even they got last year. So for the casual fan that, that is going to be tuning in to Kings basketball for the first time or starting to follow Kings basketball, what do you think is most appealing about them? What was most appealing to you as a non-Kings fan to really pay attention to? I
1: think it's just – I mean, the team is just fun to watch, both in their style of play. They score a crap ton of points. They play fast. But also like the team just in, you can just see they enjoy playing with each other, you know, Darren Fox, Demontis Sabonis, Malik Monk. Like there's just, there's just a level of joy that these guys play with um, that, you know, it, it shows even on TV or, or if you're watching a game in person. And it's funny you say that because I like, I have some fans back in, in the Midwest that there are some friends back in the Midwest that, like from early season last year, I was like, guys, you got to watch the Kings, like pay attention. I know, you know, in their time zone, they're on late, you know, nine o'clock tip off central time, but I'm like, guys, stay up, watch the Kings. And like some of my friends hopped on the bandwagon and, and they're like, I, I had a buddy, Charlie, who who told me, you know, in college, I used to stay up and watch the Lob City Clippers. And, and now I'm yeah. staying up to watch the Kings. So I'm like, yeah, man, like, let's go. This, this team is so much fun to watch. And and I, I can only see it you know growing from from here next next season and beyond.
0: I imagine you had some some friends and family back in Minnesota too that that watched the Kings when the T Wolves played them and maybe weren't that impressed because for some reason this year Tom the T Wolves were just a really really tough matchup for the Kings. I think they were the only team outside of the Warriors um, if you count the last game of the season. I think the the T Wolves were the only team that beat the Kings three times last season if I'm not mistaken. I know they were the first team to do it. What do you think about the, what was it about the Timberwolves that you think was such a tough matchup for Sacramento? I think the size
1: was, it was an issue. Um, and, and the Timberwolves have their issues, but of course, but just like, I, I think Nas Reed was, was a huge factor mm. in a lot of those games. And, you know, he would have been a great fit with the Kings, uh, as well in, in the offseason but he re-upped at the Wolves. Um, yeah, just just they they really the Timberwolves bring a lot of size to the table and a lot of different types of size like Rudy Gobert rebounds, Carl Anthony Towns can shoot the three, and Nas Reed, seeing his game grow over the last three years or four years or however long he's been in the year in the in the league has been has been a lot of fun um, to watch. So yeah, I think that's you know it, it comes down to size, and it'll be interesting to see if that continues in the next season
0: in the really early power rankings the kings are 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 ranked 12th but they're the seventh best western conference team so these power rankings are predicting that the kings will be in that play in picture amongst a bunch of other teams including the timberwolves now the timberwolves dealt with injury issues last year if the timberwolves are completely healthy i mean i still have massive question marks about that team with the rudy gobert and and uh carl anthony towns pairing although ant is phenomenal um like how, how do you feel the Timberwolves pose a threat to a team like Sacramento or really any team that's in that play in picture or potentially sneaking into the, the the top six and avoiding the play at altogether? Yes, that's a good question. I, I
1: was kind of looking around, poking around the odds before we jumped on here and like just seeing what, you know, Vegas is kind of thinking about the West next year. And and I, I was just struck by, like, how low they had the Kings. Like, mm-hmm. you, you said seventh in the West. I mean, after last season, I mean, a lot of teams got better in, in the Western Conference, sure. Um, but, you know, the Warriors being one of them, adding, adding Chris Paul. But, like, I don't know if they're going to really be a regular season team. You know, they, I don't think they're going to prioritize that much. So, um, I, I think, you know, maybe the Kings don't get – the three seed next season, maybe they don't win 48 games, but I, I feel like they're going to be in the mix. Like they brought back the same guys, you know, that, that starting five that played way more minutes and then the other starting five in the league last year, like they're, they're running it back. Um, So I, I feel a lot more confident in the Kings chances in the West than, than I do the Timberwolves. Um, you know, you ask Carl Anthony Towns and he'll tell you, just watch. You know, I think that was his quote, like, a month ago. And it's like, we've been watching, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's still a lot of questions to be answered over there. So, um, I mean, if you're asking, you know, where where the Timberwolves and Kings rank in terms of the West next year, I, I would strongly favor the Kings to finish above. And, um, you know, I mean, what do you think? Like, what what in your mind makes for a successful King season next year. I'm I'm super curious to pick your brain on that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think cognitive improvement is important and I think it's important to acknowledge the goals that the Sacramento Kings are setting for themselves. And what, and what's been mentioned is, is opening a championship window going from good to great. And then a direct number that's been mentioned is, and it was mentioned in post season press conferences was becoming a 50 plus win team. So, to me, it starts there. Like, there are questions of how much, where, what seed does 48 wins put you in this next season compared to last season? Right. I think a lot of people look at this Kings team and acknowledge the great year that they had and how much fun that they had, but are still not. Willing to fully commit to them, they need to see it consistently to know it wasn't just a fluke or like a one hit wonder type basketball team. And I understand that to some extent. I disagree with the general belief that, or anyone's general belief, that that is the case or will be the case based off of how good I think this Kings team is. So, like, I'm pretty confident that Sacramento will improve next year. And then to answer your question, what does that improvement look like for me? I think the Sacramento Kings can be a 50-win team. Like asking this team to improve and win two games, two more games, I don't think is that tough of an ask. Even with the fact that the the Kings were so healthy or, or had such good injury luck last year, I think this team is built now and more comfortable together to where even if they dealt with a little more injury uh, in, uh, issues, obviously not... To their main guys all the time, but I think this team is deep enough to be able to overcome the common injury issues that you see amongst teams. So, so to me, improvement is is in the win category and the win column is getting this team to 50 wins, is is having this team establish themselves as a team that looks like they genuinely can make a, a deep playoff run. That doesn't mean they will. Uh, I think they might be a year or two still away from actually truly becoming contenders. But it's about the building blocks to that. And the only thing that I don't want to see is significant regression. If it's minor regression, if they win 47 or 46 games and that's a six seed this year or a, a playing team, I'll probably be a little bit disappointed, but in reality they're not responsible for how the, the rest of the West goes. So that's kind of a long convoluted answer of, of thoughts of, the, of what, how I view improvement for the Sacramento Kings this year. But to me, the goal even though people don't seem to think the regular season matters, the goal for the Kings should be a 50 win team. And then wherever that lands you in the playoffs, now you have playoff experience. If you have home court advantage, great. If you don't, Oh, well like go out and perform in the playoffs at that point.
1: Yeah. And to me, like nothing screamed like one hit wonder about the Kings this past season. I mean, like just Monty McNair did a great job this off season. I mean, I was, I was with Kings fans, you know, entering free agency where there was like two days on, on NBA Twitter when I thought Kyle Kuzma was like guaranteed to be in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And I was like, already imagining like, all right, let's, the pregame like fit content with Kuzma in, in Sacramento. Like that's going to be gold for us, yep. you know, yep. <laughs> but then, you know, you re-signed Harrison Barnes and, but he, he did a great job of just like you, you said, just extending that window. You know, in an NBA world where superstars like James Harden request a trade every six months, you know, there there's clearly something building in Sacramento um, that's that's sustainable. And I think Monty talked about this. um, I think it was at the draft or or one of the one of the offseason avails that he had. where He was saying like, hey, we're we're flexible, like we could make a big move down the road. And, you know, they have. Pretty much all their draft picks besides, what, 2024, um, the, the first rounder next year with, with the Herder trade. So, um yeah, I mean, I think this Kings team is deeper than they were next season. And with all of the magic that that starting five put together, like bringing that back, adding more depth behind them, like... I, I don't know how you see and and watch what that team did last year and say that they have no room to improve. Like Keegan Murray himself, you know, like I think everybody expects him to take a big jump next season. And we kind of saw a sneak peek of that in summer league when what he dropped 40, 41, uh, and and was a little bit more dynamic with the ball. So um, yeah, I I think, you know, the future's bright long-term, but in the short term, I mean, I think this team can take a big jump next season.
0: Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Fandle. Take a swing on betting MLB on Fandle and you can get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right, you bet just 20 bucks, you get $200 in bonus bets back whether you win or you lose. You're either in the green and have more money to then make uh, even more money on top of that, or if you lose, look at it as an insurance policy. $200 of bonus bets for you to make that money back and then some. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. You can bet on everything from the money line to the over-under or who you think is going to hit the first home run of the game. Of course, if you're betting baseball, there's no better place to bet on the MLB than FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook, also an amazing place to bet on football, which is just around the corner. Of course, NBA basketball and college hoops, which are coming this winter. Sign up today and visit Fandle.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's Fandle.com slash locked on Fandle, official partner of Major League Baseball. The hope and confidence amongst the Kings front office is is clearly that this group will take another step together, that they will all continue to improve, that they will all all, um, develop into a, a, a legit contending team as a group. You just mentioned Keegan Murray there, so this might honestly be your answer. But when you look at this roster, it's going to take a lot of people, if not everybody, improving, even if it's marginal improvement. But if if you're thinking about, okay, this Kings team is going to improve next year, this Kings team is going to be better, which player on this roster do you think needs to make the biggest jump or needs to make the most significant improvement for that to become a reality? Yeah, I think Keegan is the easy answer there.
1: Um, you know, like, gosh, when he when he's at his best, like the Kings are so hard to beat, when he is that third option. I think there's some stat I was tracking last year that when Keegan scored 20 or more points in the regular season, the Kings were something like 12-1. and 1. Mm-hmm. Um, So when he's clicking, like that entire team is clicking. But other than Keegan, I mean, <laughs> if Davion Mitchell takes a big mm-hmm. jump next season, like that could be a problem for other teams in the West. I mean, I'm I'm buying into the offseason storyline that he's he's been working out with Steph Curry's trainer, right? Working on that jump shot. And if he can just be more reliable on on offense, um, I mean we saw what he can do on defense in the playoffs. Like he was one of the King's best players in, in that series. Um so if Debian can prove he can be Uh, you know, at the very least, just a reliable offensive option. And then he's, he's always going to bring it on the defensive side. Like, look out. That's, that's going to be scary.
0: How much better do you think Fox and Sabonis can get? Oh, that's a good question.
1: That's a good question. I was, I was thinking about Sabonis uh, the other day and just like the dialogues that we're going to have if he struggles out of the gate. After what, after struggling in that Warrior series. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how much better like Fox and Sabonis can be. Um, I mean, Sabonis individually, like obviously can, can improve on his shooting and and all that. Um, But gosh, that pairing was so good last year that even if they just maintain that same level of, of uh, cohesiveness, like Sacramento is going to do big things next season.
0: See, I think those two are so impactful that minor improvement can make a significant difference. And I'm looking at it in, in a couple different areas. With Sabonis, like the addition of or the confidence in that mid-range jumper to where defenses – I mean, defenses saw what the Warriors did to the Kings. Now, for some reason, like I was just – I did an episode yesterday reacting to this Bleacher Report article labeling Sabonis as the most overrated player in the NBA, which I think is just ridiculous. I did, I yeah. And um in this article, it mentioned like no team in the regular season figured out how to stop Sabonis or did any homework to stop Sabonis and the Warriors suddenly figured it out in the postseason. That's not true at all. Like other teams were trying to take that away from Domas. Just some teams are better equipped to do that, like the Warriors and other teams are not. And Sabonis at times knew how to attack that and overcome that and, and, and. Other, other times, he struggled against that. So, I mean, this is a problem that I think Sabonis is going to face all this season. I expect him to be able to approach it and improve. So, hitting that outside jumper, finding a way to still get uh, that DHO game involved and not allow teams to take him uh, out of his comfort zone and take the Kings out of their offense so quickly. I think that in itself, it's a minor improvement, but it would have a massive impact. And then for, for De'Aaron Fox, it's like... I'm thinking what's the next step that Fox can make as an individual. It's establishing himself as a absolute bona fide superstar and all-star in the, in, in the Western conference to where we don't have what we had last year, which is Fox getting in as an injury replacement. Like no matter how many great guards are in the West, Fox has to be in the play uh, uh, or the uh, all-star picture because he's that good. So how does he do that? Typically you do that by scoring, right? So mm-hmm. can fourth quarter Fox still be a thing? But can De'Aaron Fox bring 20 points into the fourth quarter almost every single night so that when he explodes, he's now in the 30s and not just 15 points, right? So though, like, again, minor improvement, we're not asking, I don't expect Fox to score 30 a night. I know he's capable of doing it. He doesn't have to for this Kings team to be good as we saw last year, but this minor improvement, I think can make a massive difference overall uh, for the Sacramento Kings as well as improvement for the role players. So Tom, those are areas where I could see those two improving, You're not asking for them to do much more, but because of how important they are to what the Sacramento Kings do, I could see that being the difference between this team being a first round exit and maybe making it to the second or third round.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, you brought up Fox and and the all-star game. You kind of forgot that just how good he played in in the playoffs and and late last season that he was an all-star replacement. Yeah. Like that. he, He was a big snub. So, yeah, like, I think he, you know, built on his reputation a lot in, in that playoff series and earned the respect of guys, you know, the championship core in, in at Golden State. Or um, I think, you know, when February rolls around, he should be, if he did what he did last season, he should be a shoe-in to the All-Star game. Yeah.
0: What are your thoughts on Malik Monk? Because I had a conversation with D'Lo and KC. I don't know if you're familiar with them. I, I, you've probably met them at the Kings games yeah. before. Um and we were discussing, like, who's the third best player on the Sacramento Kings right now? And my, my answer is hopefully going to be Keegan Murray by the time we get through a portion of the season. Because like you, I expect him to make a big jump. But right now, I feel like Malik Monk is that guy, even though at times he can be a little inconsistent with that the six-man role. Do you, do you agree with that? Do you have a different third best player in mind? And then uh, just what are your overall thoughts on... Malik Monk and the player that he is. Cause I think he's a, uh, he's approaching a pretty big payday and I think Sacramento is going to feel pressured to give it to him. Yeah. I I'd say he's, he's hands down
1: the most fun player <laughs> on the Kings. Like <laughs> when he's, when he's doing his thing and just flying above the rim and stuff and then connecting with Fox on those alley oops. like there's, you know, no, no, there, there's fewer, more fun players to watch uh, in the NBA. Um, as far as if he's the third best player, um, I think recency bias with how Kevin Herter struggled in, in the playoffs, um, is an argument to be made. You know, like Herter was special last season. What I mean he was he was getting uh compared to like Steph Curry in, in the first couple weeks last season. Uh but I think Kevin Durant said that, if I remember right. Um so, I mean, I, I think Kevin Herter has some some work to do, some maybe conditioning to get in better shape for next season and keep those legs under him uh, for a playoff series. Um, but it, it's hard to argue that Monk isn't the, the third best player on the Kings because, like I said, when when he's doing what he does, there's no more fun player to watch on the team.
0: What do you think was the most significant move that the kings make made this offseason or or i guess in general like you said earlier you felt that Monty mcnair had a really really good offseason i'm glad you said that because i i agree with you even though i think some kings fans were disappointed because there wasn't a big swing upgrade or a big new name added but when you look at this king's offseason what is it i mean it could be a compilation of moves or it could be one move in particular that you say this solidified a good offseason for the kings yeah i mean I feel like
1: it's just better to talk about it as just a one big group of, mm-hmm. of an off season. And it's, you know, they had this magical season last year with the beam and the playoff drought ended and, and, you know, he saw that he probably explored all possible options, but said, you know what, let's keep what we had last year, that special season with a lot of young guys and let's just lock down our future for the next, you know, three, four, five years. And that's pretty rare in in the NBA to have such a young, talented core locked in for so long. I mean, Monk is, what, the only really key player that's not under contract for longer than the next uh, season. So just, you know, keeping the core together, that starting five that played so well together and and believing in the growth of the team and players like Keegan Murray and Davion Mitchell buying into – you know, hey, we're going to be okay if we just bring all these guys back, stay flexible for a big, huge move in the future. You know, a trade, wherever the uh, NBA season may take them. But um, yeah, I mean, just overall, just keeping that core together was the biggest thing
0: for me. Well, Tom, we all have to make it through August, which is the the worst month of the year for basketball and, and for Sacramento Kings fandom because we're close enough to be impatient, but. Not close enough to feel excited quite yet, but then training camp is right around the corner after that. And I know you as a content creator, you as a writer, you're going to be uh, paying attention and, and turning out some articles with stuff that's happening uh, with, with Sacramento Kings training camp was, uh, along with the rest of your team over there at NBC Sports. For me, I'm what I'm most interested in seeing in training camp is the combination of lineups that mike brown puts out there i think we know what the starting five is going to be i think we have a good idea of what the top 10 and the rotation is going to be but how is that top 10 paired together right how do Demontis sabonis and sasha Vazenkov spend a lot of time together do De'Aaron fox and malik monk continue to spend a lot of time together like i'm very interested in pairings and combinations uh that mike brown tries out and throws together Mm -hmm. in training camp what are some of the things or maybe one thing that you're most interested in whether it's writing about or just seeing or curious about heading into training camp?
1: I think it's Sasha and how he fits with the Kings. Um, you know, I obviously haven't seen him play in person. Uh, I've seen a lot of highlights and and I think he can be from what I've seen, he can be a great fit, you know, as a floor spacer and, and knocking down outside shots, and cutting uh, for Sabonis. So I think, you know, if I'm walking into training camp and and um, watching the preseason, I, I'm really curious how he fits and and like you said, how uh, Mike Brown puts him in the rotation and and utilizes his skill set. Um, I, I think he can be a nice weapon for for the Kings. Um, and and when when you watch his highlights, I I, I love love uh, like his buzzer beaters when when he just releases a three in like some weird angle and like. Kicks his legs up, and there's like a few of those. So, um, I'm, I'm excited to see Sasha in a Kings uniform and, and just see how he fits in. And, um, I think we're going to learn a lot in, in training camp and preseason.
0: Well, you and Tristy Rodriguez are, uh, you did a great job last year covering the Kings. I expect more of a great job this year. Speaking of Tristy, she's going to be joining me later on this week on Lockdown Kings for the first time, which I'm excited about. Uh, so Tom, before I let you go, um, like what, what should Sacramento Kings fans expect from the content that you're putting out? What should they be keeping an eye out on uh, from from NBC Sports and their Kings coverage this year?
1: Yeah, I think we're going to be rolling out a lot of great stuff, a lot of preview content coming up. Um, like you said, August is is tough, but we're going to, you know, work our creativity and, and come up with some with some uh, good stuff for, for Kings fans to take in. So, yeah, I appreciate you having me on, Matt.
0: It was an absolute pleasure. We'll definitely do it again at different points during the season, my friend. Uh, Thanks for doing it. And uh, I'll see you in, if not the Kings practice facility sooner or later in the golden one center. And we'll be back to back to Kings basketball. Can't wait. Can't wait, man. Thanks for having me. Big thank you to Tom for joining me here on locked on Kings. I hope you enjoyed that and want to have him back. I can't wait to have him back on again. Does an excellent job uh, over there. A lot of fun uh, from stuff there. If you want to respond to anything that we had to talk about, um, Feel free to. You can reach me on Twitter at Matt George Sack. You can email me, excuse me, Sports at uh, And if you're watching on YouTube, leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below, I have uh, more guests coming this week. Like I mentioned, Tristy Rodriguez is coming towards the end of the week. I'm going to be uh, getting together with uh, Josh Lloyd uh, here soon to do a kind of a brutally honest look at the Sacramento Kings podcast. Uh, Josh is the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast; does an amazing job over there uh, that you should definitely check out. So I'm looking forward to that. Plus, more guests coming. We're almost in August. Today's the last day of uh, of, of July, and then we're in August, the worst month of the year when it comes to the NBA. But we'll get through it, and we'll do it together. I appreciate your support, as always. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked on Kings. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.